What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening in to this edition of the New Generation Hero Talk Podcast. I am your host, DJ Stewart. Today's episode is going to be a special episode because we're going to focus solely on the season finales and, in one sense, the series finale of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, Stargirl, and Doom Patrol for this episode. So, you know, last week we kind of had a weird week where we didn't do any recaps because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. sat in the middle of the week and we were doing our show a little late. So, we kind of didn't know how to handle this. We decided to wait the entire week to do um, just a solely episode recap episode of the New Generation Podcast, uh, New Generation, excuse me, New Generation Hero Talk Podcast, and we'll do a, a news episode uh, the following day. So hopefully tomorrow there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to put out a, a, a second episode that will be just news. But today's episode will be show recaps because we want to make sure we give this enough time. And, um, and, and and energy. So I'm excited to do this show. Kendall uh, could not join us last uh, this week, um, but Shamari, who could not join us last week, is here with us this week. So uh, Shamari, I'm happy to have you with me today to talk about these shows. I know when you, you missed last week, I know you were like, I really want to talk about these shows. So I'm glad that we, we got you on to do this podcast. I wanted you to talk briefly as well about a new animated D, uh, DC uh, movie that you recently watched that just came out, the new Deadpool, uh, Deathstroke movie, rather. I, um, I've heard some good things, but I haven't uh, watched it yet. What, what were your thoughts, having seen it? Yeah, um, so that Deathstroke movie, it's a Deathstroke, Knights and Dragons, and it is really good. It is a very good movie. Um, it's funny, when I first started watching it, I was like, oh, this animation's a little... Um, it's a little, it's a little wonky. I was kind of, I was kind of taken out of it a little bit. So I'm like, oh mm-hmm. well, you know, because I hadn't really read any reviews on it or anything. I just knew it had come out. So I'm like, all right. I mean, uh, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully it's pretty good. And it, it, right off the bat, I'm like, wow, yeah, this is oof. Right, it's like the first 15, 20 minutes. You know, this is this movie is, is taking no prisoners at all. If if you're a Deathstroke fan, this is this movie is for you. So this it was very impressive, um, you know. If you know anything about Deathstroke and his his family and and, and his background right. and all that, this movie goes into all of that uh, in very great detail. The action is great, the drama is great, the the relationships are great. There's twists and turns. It's a really really well made animated movie. I think it's one of the best DCs come out, especially in recent especially in recent years. Yeah. Um, you know, DC and Warner Brothers, they have the animated movies. You know, they just they have the right people in charge and um, creating those movies. They've had a handle on those for a very long time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th- this is just is definitely a treat. Uh, so if you like Deathstroke at all, you should definitely do yourself a favor and check this movie out. Um, I think it's only available to buy now, but it'll be available to rent digitally soon. So even if you wanted to rent it. I highly recommend checking it out because it is very good. Ring endorsement there from Sham. I I, I want to check it out. You know, I I like Deathstroke. Deathstroke's an interesting character to me. I feel like really um, Deathstroke's funny because I feel like the Teen Titans and honestly also the popularity of Deadpool, who I misspoke in, in the intro to this, has absolutely raised his profile to another level. And now we're seeing him a lot more. And whenever you see any character that's been kind of maybe, I don't want to say underutilized, because, I mean, Deathstroke's been, you know, a staple in the DC universe as a villain, particularly, especially with the Titans for a very long time. 
But whenever you see a character who's maybe not as mainstream starts to become utilized a lot more, there is the fear of oversaturation. So when I mm-hmm. heard they were doing a Deathstroke movie, I gotta be honest, I kind of, I don't say rolled my eyes, I kind of was like, okay, let's see how this goes, you know, because I was like, you know, we've had Deathstroke now live action a bunch, we've had him in animated stuff a bunch, and look, dude's a badass, like, he's he's a great, he's a great uh, character, he's a great physical foil for a lot of these heroes, so it makes sense to use him, but because he's so great, sometimes that can hurt him. Um, in my in my estimation, because I think that you know we've had we've seen some great adaptations, we've seen some that I think you know are okay. So uh, when I saw the movie, I was like, okay, let's see how this is. But when you're telling me you're telling me that it's that good, that excites me because I, I think to me, you know, what it sounds like to me is that you know they look it looks like they're going a little deeper with that stroke than maybe other projects have. I feel like a lot of times he's been used as a plot device. He's been used as a, as a device for me to say, oh, ish, this. This, this situation just escalated. And that is a good... He's a great plot device to do that with. But I kind of felt like it was just kind of being heavy-handed because he's such a badass. So mm-hmm. now, you know, going more into his family, going more into what makes him tick, not using him as a plot device and more having the, the plot drive through his story, that makes a lot more... That, to me, is a little more interesting. And it's different. I'm, I, and I was kind of curious what the reception was going to be. I think so many people are so used to him just being the guy used to escalate situations. What happens when he is the situation and everything about the movie is about him? How will fans uh, receive him? Not his hardcore fans. I'm talking about the generic fans because Deathstroke has a massive, massive fan base. So I'm, I'm, I'm hyped. Now, now that you've uh, you talked to me about the movie, I'm sold. I, I'm definitely going to try to check this out soon. Um, I'm really fascinated by what DC animation is going to look like in the next few years. Um, we got this Deathstroke movie. I saw uh, they. I saw they. They put some images out for Superman, Man of Tomorrow, right? So, yeah. where I think he's going to be fighting Lobo uh, in at least one scene. So, uh, you know, it, it's 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 a new era. They you know they they're moving away from the post Flashpoint New Fifty Two inspired stories that they did, and they're going to something different. So, you know, DC's usually been very reliable when it comes to their animated content, whether it be uh, you know, you know, series or even movies. I'm hoping that this next era, whatever they're trying to create when it comes to movies, sticks up to it. And Deathstroke sounds like anything the way you're saying. It looks like it will. But let's uh, let's move on now. Let's talk about these episodes. So, um, again, what a treat I think this uh, this summer has been. You know, this has been obviously a very difficult summer for everyone. If you live in America, if you live anywhere in the world, this has been a very difficult summer. It's not been a summer that's been normal. And, you know, one of the, you know, while, you know, we don't think of the summer as television season, in the one sense, you did feel like, man, we need some good television because there's not a lot to do outside. And in some instances, you shouldn't even be outside considering where the, you know, the coronavirus pandemic was at certain points uh, of time or, or where you were living. So, you know, for me, I was kind of like, you know, summertime isn't really a big TV time for us for superheroes because a lot of the shows end. We had a couple of shows, you know, Agent of Shield's been doing this summer the last few seasons. And then you know, we had some newer shows that decided to drop during the summer that kind of made this summer a very much a superhero season. And man, they these these shows, I think they all three of them really came through in the clutch. Because when I think about it, I'm like, man, if we didn't have these shows this summer, like this summer, which was already awful, would have been really terrible. Like really terrible. 
Um, to me, like yep. the NBA and, and these shows for me as a Supergirl fan and basketball fan, this is all this is all I got. This is all we got, and I'm kind of, you know, summer's almost over basically. But you know, part of me is kind of like, what happens now? The brand for a lean fall with no, a lot of the superhero shows that you're seeing us recap, they won't be back. Um, they won't be back until 2021. So, um, you know, I'm sure there'll be you know plenty of stories for us to cover. But I think even our our podcast is going to come across a little different for the next few months. So I kind of was a little emotional and sad. Uh, you know, when we finally got to the last episode of the summer being Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And, of course, that being the last episode ever. And, um, but, you know, round of applause and bravo to, to all these shows for really, uh, really repping the culture in a, in a positive way, in a major way. So, let's start off talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, man, what a run. Seven seasons, uh, hundreds of episodes. I can't, or I think hundreds, yeah, they, uh, 135 episodes, or 136, sorry, in total. Um, on a major network, a Marvel show. Marvel's in the title. I mean, you know, we gave Arrow its flowers earlier this year. The Ages of Shield also another icon. It's an iconic show. You know what I'm saying? To this culture, I'm not saying overall, but when it comes to superheroes, it's right up there in terms of that Mount Rushmore shows of like what the impact and what it means. I mean, we haven't. You know, that and Arrow, to me, are the, are the, we haven't had shows last that long with that kind of successful run, with that kind of fan base that kept it on the air. You know what I'm saying? Like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., after, I would say, season four, you know, every summer, it was just like, oh, man, this might be it. Or, <laughs> you know, and they had to write every, it seemed like every season up until the last few when they when they decided that they knew that they were going to have two more and that would be it. For, like, episodes, for seasons, like, four and five and maybe you can even throw three in there they kind of had to write the story to make it seem like hey this is the end at least fans can live with this right. uh, the fact that they got all the way to seven sham is uh is, is a testament to one their talent the incredible crew incredible showrunners um you know jed whedon um that incredible cast they you know it's uh it's it's truly remarkable and you know it was it was great to see them go off on a high note, again, shout out to Jed Weed and shout out to Marissa Tacheron. I hope I pronounced her name right. Um, they've been the showrunners pretty much from the beginning, and uh, they did an incredible job. And I was happy we got this uh, send off. Um, any any thoughts on that, Shannon, before we get into this episode? Yeah, um, I mean, it's crazy to think about. I mean, this, I didn't even really think about how this is also serving as a series recap for uh, yeah. for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I mean, if you've been listening to our podcast, you know how I feel about Agents of Shield. I have no. I mean, Agents of Shield is kind of the reason why we have this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? honestly, yeah, is the pioneer for most of these shows that we even review. Right. I mean, there were other superhero shows before. I don't want to, you know, say yeah. that this was the first show, but in terms of the the modern era of, um, especially when it comes to the more recent superhero movies and, and the kind of boom of the superhero movies with regards to the dark Knight and Iron Man in, in terms of the MCU, Ace of shield was the first show to come out of that. Really? You had Smallville for a while. And I, I mean, I'd argue Smallville was, was pretty, pretty uh, important in that sure. regard, especially when it comes to the CWWB series and, and arrow then coming out of that. But Agents of Shield is 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 gigantic, and it's had an amazing run. 
it didn't captivate me with its first season, but the following all the following seasons that I've watched have been just spectacular. I've been completely floored with what they've been able to do. So yeah, it's really sad to see him go, but they did a fantastic job. So I have to give a hats off to all the showrunners, um, the writers, the crew, and the cast. They all did a fantastic job. And one last thing before we get into this episode. You made a good point, too, I think, when you talked about, you know, yeah, there have been other superhero shows, but this really feeling like the first superhero show that was a product of the movie craze, you know, mm-hmm. because of this show, yep. when it was created, and we'll get into its ties to the MCU and how they did this episode, but it was it was created as a as a spinoff to the Avengers. I mean, that's, why, that's how it was pitched to us. Right. And that's kind of why it feels like this kind of pioneer because like those other shows, yes, you've had you know Superman on te- on cartoons, you've had uh, obviously Lois and Clark, you've had The Flash, you've had just a bunch of shows over history, um, you know. But this felt different because this was you know born from this big box office success and. It spoke to a level of growth within the superhero film medium that just no other project, and I'm including Smallville and even Arrow, could ever touch because of that, you know? Like, not to say those shows are also very impactful, but this show is particularly special because this is like, this is the first venture for any uh, movie or any, any, you know, studio to say we're going to go with what we saw on in a movie in terms of superheroes again it's been done on television but in terms of superheroes and we're going to take that and right. spin off to do a series and it's it for his last seven seasons um again just remarkable stuff shout out to agents of shield uh shout out to that whole cast man um all of them legends clark Gregg, ming na wen chloe bennett elizabeth pentridge henry simmons natalia cardova cardova buckley jeff ward of course uh ian decaster who showed up in this last episode um, all of them, you know, legends when it comes to this, uh, this, this, this culture. But anyway, so this was episode, uh, 13 of season seven. Uh, well, it was a two part episode, actually. So it was episodes 12 and 13. First episode being This Is At Hand. Second episode being What We Are Fighting For. This was, uh, I enjoyed these episodes a lot. I think that this was definitely, um, a great send off for the show. I think it was funny, like, you know, Fitz kind of being used as a red herring for so long. It was kind of interesting to see him only come up basically at the end and how, like, you know, us as fans, we kind of thought, oh, he's going to come soon or he's going to come soon. We've seen these seasons where he's kind of made late entries or, you know, been off at times to come back. And, you know, it was kind of interesting, you know, doing, like, you know, the, all the readings after the episode was dropped and them saying, yeah, you need the cast that really didn't want to come back. So um, we had to work with him to make something that made sense for him to eventually come back in a way that worked for him because he wanted to do other things while also working with our story. And I think they ended up creating truly a, a really remarkable, touching story in the end. And how uh, so much of the... Um, the the reason for keeping Fitz's location a secret had all to do with protecting what now you know is their child. Um, 
I tell you what, this was an episode I know a lot of Agents of Shield fans said they had to fight tears. I was pretty good. I didn't have any. I didn't have too many of those moments. That was the only one where when I saw that they had a baby, I was like, oh man, that was that was tough. I almost didn't make it. I made it through, but that was that was hard because you've seen this couple with uh, Gemma and uh, Leopold just go through literally everything, and here you see them now skipping time, traveling time, still, you know found a way even in a crazy life to try to have a sense of normalcy and while we never really saw it i think to see um those acted scenes where Gemma and leopold get to kind of relive that normal life that they lived for those years with their daughter um i thought was just great Uh, it was great acting it was great storytelling it was a fitting um next step for them, you know what I'm saying, and mm-hmm. it was just it was just awesome. I thought that aspect of episode. I mean, as soon as Fitz was back, it was just like you just felt that jolt, like that jolt of energy. And the show's been great the whole time, but he just adds a different dynamic. Like that, this show was definitely. You know, Gemma's really smart, but Gemma Gemma's very smart, but also very polite. So like when he came in, and he's kind of like kind of and Fitz is not a a-hole but like he's kind of like what do you mean you didn't get the sister or what do you mean the mom is dead like like these are very like serious things that he's just like kind of matter of fact because he's kind of like almost ADD of these mm-hmm. things and it's like yo man <laughs> yeah this woman died and you're just like what do you mean you let her die and like that like having that like humor it was just like wow this was an element that was totally missing from this season and the season was still great but like it just reminded me how much I miss uh, Fitz. What do you think of um, Fitz's return and then like uh, their story development? And what the story they told with him and Gemma um, uh, throughout this uh, these episodes. Uh, so Fitz was was clearly sorely missed from the show. When the second he showed up on screen, it was like you know it was like taking a fresh a breath of fresh air. It's not even like the rest of the season was was not good. It, I thought the, I thought the rest of the season was still very solid, but he just adds an element to the show that is just the cast is not even it doesn't even feel complete when Fitz isn't around. Yeah, I agree in any capacity. So, so yeah, when he showed up on the when he made his appearance, it was like, oh my god, this is this this season very much needed this, and. The reveal with their child was extremely touching. I wasn't crying, but it was an extremely touching moment. And uh, I also very much liked, and I may be skipping ahead a little bit, but I very much liked the epilogue, that kind of epilogue meeting scene also. I thought that was an awesome scene. Uh, you know, the only the only people missing from that scene were Enoch and uh, Deke. Right. Which I mean, we know why they weren't around, but that that would have been the icing on the cake. That would have been the cherry on top, so to speak. But other than that, I thought it was fantastic, and I'm sure they they probably just wanted to stick with the original, the original yeah. crew. Yeah, and even I, though Mac and yeah. Yo Yo aren't necessarily original, like they're still kind of like main cast members, quote unquote. Yeah. So yeah, like Deacon and and um and Enoch, I I think that they stuck around really more. Because of uh, you know fanfare, I think you know Enoch said that basically he was like you know the actor that played Enoch he was like and we talked about it a little bit on the show before he was just like 
know, I expected my run to be like three episodes. And <laughs> they love the chemistry. They kept me for the rest of the season. And the fans loved me. So then they kept me for another season and made me a regular. Um, but this, you know, at the end, the epilogue with all of them in that, you know, virtual bar, so to speak, like that was, that's, you know, the core. I think they, that, that's the core they envision, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, I thought that scene was, was very, also very touching. Yeah. It was. And it was just an awesome ending to the show. I mean, I thought they capped it off with, with Colson in his car. Lola. In Lola. A new Lola, and like it tricked out yeah. Lola even more tricked tricked out out. Than, than than even before. Yeah, so that was it was just fantastic. I, I you know I thought it was they ended the show on a, on a fantastic note. And it's like I know we're jumping ahead and jumping around, and I think that's fine uh, how we do this review. I know some people may be going crazy, but um, I, I like just even that idea of like Colson's end being that like Colson is living now his life as an LMD. Like, that, to me, itself is actually really a great idea. Because the whole... His whole thing, when they, when we first were introduced to him, we're like, this guy's got to be LMD, right? He can't be real. Like, why is he always everywhere all the time? And there's a sense of irony that, like, he he's found this new life as an LMD, but he it doesn't mean he hasn't... It's, in a way, it, it is like... It is really, in a way, like another rebirth for him because he now has to kind of like figure out what is his life, you know, like beyond this crazy world he's been living in. Like even when he came back to life, quote unquote, the last time, it was him being dropped right back into S.H.I.E.L.D. business. Like, you know, we never got to see what those last weeks were with him in May on that island by, you know, when he knew he was going to die. Like we don't know what that was like. So... The fact that this character that we've seen go through so many different arcs, so many different, you know, situations with him, that he's now in this year where he says it's going to be a sabbatical. And you know he'll be back. But, like, I think that it was kind of great to see that that this is now him finding out what is his life's meaning beyond being a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent or some kind of spy. And... And also, like, I think, again, tying into, like, his origin as a character in that, you know, this Coulson, while he may not be human, he he still is in a sense. But, like, it's a nod to, like, all those original theories about him being an LMD. The fact that that's how this show ends, I actually think is, is, is pretty cool. Because while I, I could see some people saying, oh, that's kind of lame, but it's like when you when you get to know this Coulson throughout the whole season, like, he, don't, he doesn't feel like an LMD. He feels like he's just Coulson, you know, and that's, right. that's, that's what's so great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was I thought it was great. I mean, this Colson, even though he's not he's technically not Colson, he also is Colson. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of a philosophical thing, I guess. Of, I mean, is he Colson in the only way that it really matters? You know, it's it's Colson, though, but it's also not. So it's it's interesting. It's weird. It's interesting. I kind of I tend to like kind of philosophical stuff like that anyway. So I thought it was, I think it's very fascinating. But. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just thought they handled that very well also. And I'm going to jump around a little bit as, uh, again as well, of course. Yeah. Um, EJ, I got to give credit where credit is due. I think you were right about this dude, uh, Nathaniel. Oh, you finally uh, came around to that? Yeah, I came around. He That was that was not what I had wanted uh, for, the, for the final boss, so to speak, of... Of agents, <laughs> of agents yeah, of I mean, shield. 
And, and you know, if we're going to, you know, talk about this episode and be honest, I would say that this episode, I mean, it fell short in regard to the threat and the villains. And yeah. in a sense, in a sense, it almost didn't matter. Because, again, I, I love these episodes. Um, in a sense, it almost didn't matter because you kind of realized that. And I think they kind of started, Enoch even kind of said it a couple episodes ago before he died. He said, you know, all you guys need to know is this is going to be your last mission. And I almost kind of feel like as we were going, getting up to, like, the end, I kind of realized, like, the threat and who they're fighting, all that stuff. Yes, like, would I prefer it to be something a little more meaningful? Maybe. Um, but it doesn't really matter. It was crazy. Was, the, the thing about this is that this is the end. And this is how it's all going to end for all of them. And we know they're not going to die. But, like, it almost didn't matter what the threat was. And that became secondary to the story, which became a more personal story about... You know what Fitz had been and and um and Gemma had been going through. You know Daisy trying to come to grips with this situation with her sister and her feelings for Susa. Like the the stuff with the team. You know you know uh, um uh, what's the name making the decision uh, Deke to stay back in in the eighties, knowing that he has to be the one to make the sacrifice. Like all of like that all that stuff really. That's what really mattered. It didn't really matter who they were facing in a sense. Yes, I could definitely see that, and I would argue that that doesn't necessarily mean it was good that I did not care at all about the Chronicoms or Sybil or Nathaniel. But fair is fair. Yeah, they were a weak point, I think, in these two episodes. I expected something bigger potentially, but, I mean, Nathaniel had disappointed me all season, so I, I did not expect anything from him. I thought maybe we get more from Sybil or whatever, but we didn't get that either. Yeah. That was definitely a low point for the season. But I agree that it didn't... By the last episode, when Fit shows up, it don't matter. I'm going to be honest. Exactly. It, it, did not, it did not matter at all. I just wanted to see more. I just wanted to see more of the interactions. I wanted to see more of how they're going to how they're going to beat the bad guys. I want to see more of what they were hiding all this time, what their plan was, how it was all kind of a loop. They were interacting with each other without knowing about it and, and how the time... I, I still don't completely grasp the whole concept of what they were doing. It's very time loopy, but I kind of sort of understand what was going on. But I, at the same time, it... Again, it's, that's something where I'm just, I'm just, I'm just enjoying the moment. <laughs> I'm watching, yeah, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing on the screen and and the performances were great The and again, in, in those situations and when you're watching this show, you're thinking um, oh geez, you're like trying to piece together what's going on and you see the, and you see Mac and Yo-Yo and everybody else trying to piece together what exactly is going on and it's just it's fun, it's just entertainment at its finest so I thought they did a one. The writers did a wonderful job uh, tying everything together. I wasn't a huge fan of Nathaniel, especially by the end. It was just, it was just weird anarchy, just for the sake of, and he was just horrible, just for being this, for the sake of being horrible. I'm like, all right. I mean, sure, I guess he wasn't Hydra. It had nothing to do with Hydra. He was just anarchy. Um, and Sybil and the Chronicoms. Yeah, I also thought that, you know, I kind of, you know, when I think about, I think it was last season, you know, you know, Daisy had an epic, epic fight or a couple of seasons ago with, you know, Graviton or remember last year, whatever it was. Uh, 
I was kind of hoping we'd have a sim, you know, uh, like the final fights, whether the, you know the fight with May and and um, and Coulson with you know Sybil and the Chronicoms, like they got they kind of dispatched them pretty easily. Uh, I kind of thought I hope that Daisy's fight would have gotten a little better, considering I thought it was pretty personal, considering he just killed his mother, her mother right in front of him. Um, I think those final fights also kind of maybe petered out just a little bit in terms of like impact yeah it was very much power based and their their budget is that they only have so much budget i suppose and only so much wiring i guess it was the wiring their wiring has always seemed pretty obvious it was less hand-to-hand yeah. and this nathaniel guy didn't seem like a hand-to-hand combatant really at all that's true so so like all right i mean it was what it was i suppose they they did the best with what they had and the situation that they that they wrote themselves into, but I agree, it was it was definitely underwhelming. And even though Nathaniel was kind of, uh, he, he was souped up with all these powers, so he had Daisy's powers, and then he had the sisters' powers. It didn't seem like it didn't feel like a graviton type, world-ending level boss. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't have been. I just I think there's a way though. I think kind of like if I think about. It's never gonna be anything like this. But when I think about the fight between, or the multiple end end of season fights between uh, Matt and Fisk on Daredevil, I'm not, yeah. I'm not gonna get that. But I just thought I wanted a little more hard hitting, a little more nasty. Mm-hmm. Considering the they, I think they adequately raised the stakes of the personal beef between these two to a point where I think we could have got that. And I don't think that we really did. But again, I think they chose to focus on different things. I don't think they really. I think it became very clear that like, the, not to be like philosophical, but like the you know the Chronicoms and the again Nathaniel kind of was like a metaphor. Like it didn't almost didn't matter. Yeah, there were personal stakes with everyone involved, but the bigger thing was just saving the world and looking out for each other which is at the end of the day what they've always done for seven seasons the threat is irrelevant in that sense like i said at the beginning of of this recap so i think that's kind of what the point was in some ways not the point i don't think they did it purposely but i just think that when they came into these last two episodes they decided all right we could decide that we're gonna really really dive into you know what exactly the comic cons are doing chronic cons are doing and you know building up this given you know you know, Nathaniel's last fight with Daisy, giving that a good five to eight minutes and letting them really go at it. But I wouldn't have gotten more fits. I wouldn't have gotten more, uh, you know, Sousa and, um, and, uh, and well, not Daisy or two, but I mean, I was even thinking about Sousa and Mac in the ship trying to figure out how to, you know, keep the, uh, Chronicoms away. I thought that those, some of the dialogue in those scenes, all seasons have been great between those two, but they had some really great dialogue in these episodes too. Um, and I don't, and like, so I don't mind, I didn't mind that, you know, like I I can live with not having that if I got those moments. So, um, what do you think of their use of the quantum realm as their way to, um, bring the Chronicoms back to the original normal timeline and that tie into the MCU in that regard? Were you surprised um, by it? Uh, not really. Um, I, and I just say that because 
the quantum realm is something that is I mean it's something that has existed in in science in science and in science fiction for a long time so I mean yeah I I wasn't too surprised that the quantum realm was introduced I know it has a, I know it has an added layer of meaning when we're talking about agents of shield because agents of shield is connected to the MCU but it did not it, it didn't you know maybe go oh you know so I, I was just kind of like oh okay oh cool so they're using the quantum realm that's interesting um but i, I mean I, the explanation made it i mean it made sense in terms of sci-fi in in kind of you know superheroes it, it made sense but it made sense that the quantum realm played played a role um in this plot i thought i thought it served, i thought it was a good plot device in this sense and i did think it was a decent callback to the mcu as well i mean this it's probably as about as direct as you can get because i mean they're not gonna start talking about thanos and but it's and funny you mentioned that because apparently they apparently did like in the original oh, script really? yeah i was i read this before we started the show today like um jed whedon did an interview with uh new york times and he said that in their original script um the idea was that which makes sense we think about the movies that you know people who were in the quantum realm uh were able to survive the snap so what they right. originally did was they were going to mention that in the context of the snap um because they were using the quantum realm to move in between timelines but they said that that apparently got cut for time they said mm, interesting this, that's weird to me I, I mean i don't know how long it would have been and again this these episodes were packed like it it's it would have been tough to include anything more because I, I feel like everything i saw i needed to see like yeah, any more than I would have got none of the stuff with like a value yeah. with involving the Chronicoms or the Daniels plan or anything like that. So I, I could see possibly getting cover time, but man, that seems like an important call that they could have possibly made to have that. Um, and and one other thing I want to talk about too is something that people have noted. You know, you talked about the epilogue scene, and um, among them you see, you know, Mac. On a helicarrier, you know, running agents, running shield as if he's like Nick Fury. He's got the trench coat on and everything. And some people looked at that and felt like this, this kind of now separates the show completely from the MCU, given that we don't have um, any kind of shield. And this is supposed to be, you know, a couple years after the snap. And, you know, we don't see any issues with, the, you know, the world being desolate or anything. Did you interpret it like that? Um, no, I didn't interpret it, uh, like that. Um, I mean, I had, I had sort of separated this from the world, from the MCU. Honestly, I had, I already mentally separated this from the MCU, uh, pretty much from the jump. I had assumed that they were just not going to reference the snap at all and that, and that any flash forward or anything was just going to. You know that they, I I really didn't expect them to connect to the snap and everything that happened at all, honestly, um, because I know, you know, the beef when it comes to Marvel Television and MCU. So I I was not expecting any kind of callback or connection, and if there was any connection, I would expect it to be something very very shallow. Um, so no, I, I honestly didn't didn't have that reaction, or or thinking that. 
all this kind of disqualifies any kind of theory connecting it to the MCU. I was kind of already assuming that it's not connected to the MCU. Even though Clark Gregg is playing a character that was in the MCU, which obviously is very frustrating for many reasons that, <laughs> with it not being very very much connected to the MCU. But, right. um, but yeah, that's something that didn't really bother me at all. And I wasn't really looking for that. Um, so yeah, that's not really something that I had, that I had noticed, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, when I saw it, I was kind of like, oh, well, what's, how does this happen? And, you know, May is teaching a school, and I'm just like, where is this S.H.I.E.L.D. Academy? Like, where is this any of this MCU? Because um, I think, you know, right. while I know that they definitely separated themselves from the MCU in a lot of ways, I do feel like there have been times where they've tried to at least allude to the fact that, no, nah, we're still here. We're just very, very far off the beaten path of anything that's happening with, like, the superheroes or the Avengers or anything like that. Right. You know, the end, that end did kind of feel with May and Mac feeling like, oh, wow, you guys are really going off. Like, this is, this is not happening in the MCU. This is just isn't happening. Um, I feel like they tried to find ways to explain away things that they're doing and how they could coexist with whatever is happening with the MCU. That, that, you know, the stuff they did at the end, I think, felt a little like, no, we're just going to do whatever we want and we're not going to be damned about what is actually happening in the MCU. Which brings me to Daisy, though, because the epilogue with Daisy had her with her sister um, and Sousa out in the space. And you would assume they're out trying to save lives, trying to make, you know, our space a safer place. And, of course, you know, Chloe Bennett being the youngest member of the team, Chloe Bennett's character, Daisy Johnson being the most recognizable, the most, you know... You know, I don't know what the word is, you know, famous part of the team in regards to their canon with the with the Marvel Universe, her being Daisy Johnson Quake. There's, you know, it, it definitely for a lot of people looked at this and said, OK, is this going to be some kind of potential setup for some kind of Agents of Sword thing that's going to be happening in the MCU? Because obviously we, we, we want these characters to cross over. We've seen... Um, Coulson, obviously he started in the MCU and we saw him again in uh, Captain Marvel. We know Captain Marvel to, I don't want to say it's likely, but, you know, we saw with what what happened with, you know, um, with, you know, Samuel Samuel Jackson and, and, you know, Maria Hill, uh, Colby Smolders, you know, they're they're out in our space and they got their whole squad together. It does look like it could be a setup to to Swore. Do you think that um, that's what that was, or or do you think that this was a lot more, um, what's the word, uh, innocuous than that? Yeah, I feel like it was much more of like an Easter egg rather than and not and not an Easter egg as in their their saying this is leading to a show more so as in we're just showing yeah this is supposed to be that sort thing that you guys know about yeah um so so yeah i i i definitely didn't see this as hinting towards any connection to the mcu hopefully i'm wrong i tend to be more of the pessimist in that regard in terms of you know um in terms of agents of shield connecting to the MCU directly, really, in any way, shape, or form. But, I mean, my hope is that Feige and, and the uh, the other people who are heading the MCU 
watch the show, see the talent in the show, and decide to bring some of the people on board. I don't I I don't see it as being very likely that they bring any of the storylines on board. Just because based on what I've seen in the MCU and especially how how dead set they've been on making sure everything is separate. I don't see them adopting yeah. any kind of story from the TV universe. But at least not this this Agents of Shield. But you know, I'm my hope is that the talent and the the fandom and the just the the skill is what you're able to see on screen can speak for itself and hopefully sway some people over at Marvel and Disney to say, hey, why don't you connect these two? You know, they were once connected, connect them again. So hopefully that does happen. But I mean, I'm not really getting my hopes up, but I definitely don't think this was a tease uh, for anything to come. But hopefully I'm wrong. Yeah, I think I think that that ending for Daisy was like the television equivalent of giving someone your business card without really knowing if they're actually interested in you. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> you know exactly where I'm going with this. Like, I feel like it was, hey, I know you're doing probably Agents of Sword stuff. And I know there's a lot of interest, not maybe by you guys per se, but interest online, interest from your fans, for this character to be in- involved in your movie universe in some capacity. So we'll give you kind of a softball here. Here's the character doing space stuff kind of randomly um like have at it we didn't they didn't even put her in a suit they didn't give her a job it was very vague it was just like she's on Zephyr 3 and she's in space doing adventures it was like as generic as it could be but like it does kind of it's like you know giving someone your number like here's my number if you need it it's all right there for you you don't got to do very much um i feel like it, I feel like it was like an educated, it was an edu- like an educated guess basically. It was like, we know you're doing this thing. I'm sure they have major plans for Agents of Sword, um, and they were like, we know you're doing this, so let's set this up in a way that you know if they do want to do something with Chloe, you know, here you go. Because the other characters, I think they did kind of move them in a sense where we're not gonna see any of them again. You know, um, Shield has not been a nasty of the MCU in a long time, so Mac is done. You know, Yo-Yo's working for S.H.I.E.L.D., so that's done. You know, you know, May's a teacher, so we're not going to see her. Um, Coulson kind of, you know, drove off in the sunset. You know, Daisy was kind of the only one that, you know, obviously Fitz and Gemma are retired, and they, they're just, you know, caring for their daughter now. You know, Gem- you know, Daisy was kind of the only one that's you know, out, you know, into new worlds, quote-unquote. Uh, and 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 that, that, to me, was just their hope that maybe they will do something. I think there's a chance they will. I have a little more optimism, I think, maybe than you, because I think I think it was an educated guess. I think they know where Kevin Feige's going, so they set up something that could work if they want to. And he's, they're gonna get people calling for Quake to join the MCU. That's only a matter of time. And I think that there's some interest. I think because we've seen Chloe Bennett play the Quake character and other entities, I, I think that there's a chance we do see her. I don't know if it's in Agents of Sword. Or whatever, but I think there's a chance we see her again for sure. Um, and some people are thrown out that you know Marvel is you know ABC has expressed interest in another Marvel show, like you know Agents of Shield is done, but they're they're not getting out of the Marvel game so to speak. That they want something else. 
you know, could this be set up for that? Like, maybe if you're not doing something with the MCU, maybe it's also allowing the next showrunner to be like, hey, uh, if they're telling you we want an Ages of Shorts show, well, I give, I'm giving you our uh, one of our biggest stars, and they're set up right there for you to con- take the baton and keep going. You know, who knows? Um, it can go, I think it can go a multitude of ways. Um, any last thoughts on this episode, Sham? You know, we got to give some time to these other shows, but, you know, this episode and just this season overall. I thought the episode was great, especially the last episode. I think the second to last one was okay. I mean, of course, it had more of the plot stuff with the Daniel and the Chronicoms and whatnot. But overall, I thought the episode was, the finale was extremely satisfying. As a season finale and as a series finale, the chemistry of the actors and actresses is just, it's as good as anyone I've seen on TV. Yeah, unrivaled. So they all did a fantastic job. I hope they continue to find work in other places. I hope that Chloe Bennett, especially um, all of them, honestly, all of them, but Chloe Bennett, especially, I know she has expressed interest in being involved in the MCU. So I hope they give that a look. And yes, it's sad to see him go, but this was quite the send off. So I thought they all did a great job. Um, I want to give a shout out to, Victoria Hand made an appearance in this episode. Um, it wasn't, you know, Laura Perpon who played her uh, earlier in season one, but she actually got to get back at Garrett in in, in uh, the second last episode, which I thought was um, kind of fitting. So then Garrett was the one that had her killed. And I thought that was a really that you know, I I, th- I actually thought they could have they could have leaned into some like the callbacks a little bit more than they did. But I thought that was a neat one. I really did. I was like, wow, that's a really, really deep pull there. Um, you know, so I, I, I want to give that a shout out. I want to give um, this overall season I thought was, you know, really good. Uh, it was surprising in a lot of ways. And, you know, the character of, you know, Daniel Sousa replacing, you know, Leopold and how that, that dynamic, you know, added something different. You know, I think we all missed fits but by the end of the season you know you end up really enjoying you know Sousa's time on the team and his fit with the team uh he did it he was you know the actor that played him also was was really good um I want to make sure I'm trying to hit everything from this episode and this season I will say one thing I, I I think the sister angle I think also was probably something that fell flat for me um I don't know how you felt about uh Daisy's sister but I just feel like I don't know. I just think that I think I wanted some more from her in regards to like her. She decided to kind of go with this crazy guy on like just kind of a whim, and then yeah, the guy killed her mother, but that he kind of didn't. She he just kind of said, "Well, I didn't like my mother anyway." And then like I don't know. I, I just feel like she didn't have, and maybe some of that's on purpose because you know she's a character that's supposed to be sheltered and. Has, doesn't have a lot of experiences, but she seemed very impressionable. She was like, oh, I'm going to be with the bad guys now. Why? Uh, I don't know. They think I'm a monster. And it's like, oh, I'm going to be the good guys now. Why? Uh, well, they say I'm not a monster. And it's like, I kind of wish that we could have got a little more out of Korra. Um, I kind of was like, why? I liked, you know, Daisy going off in something with Susa. I kind of was annoyed that Korra was with her. I'm like, I mean, this is a girl who's been killing people and was just like whatever, just like a couple episodes ago. 
and now she's just like down with the squad. Like I, I felt like the, I felt like she needed more growth than what she went through in this season. So um, that aspect I wasn't as crazy about. But again, um, also a shout out to well again I did not like Nathaniel or the Chronicle. I did like the guy that played Garrett. I thought that he was really good all season. I'm wearing the episodes he was in. So mm-hmm. I gotta give him a shout out again. The fortunate he got offed by uh, Victoria Ham, but that was you know payback so to speak. So that was a good um, full circle moment, and you know for the whole season again, just a, a, a big shout out to the entire cast and crew of the show. I mean, you guys have brought so much joy to our household for seven, eight years now, and so many great moments watching this show and talking about it on the podcast like that i think that's why i probably i felt so good about this and felt so emotional about it. its end because it's like yeah you could sit with a show and it'd be really fun and great you create great moments but i think for us it's even more because then we came on and started a podcast off of the idea of like yo like what if we started you know talking about superhero news and recapping like shows like agents of shield and arrow like that was the whole idea behind this and you know so that added more awesome moments and great things that we've been able to create since we started doing uh new generation hero talk as a podcast and since we started doing this podcast network and youtube channel so um major thanks to those guys over at um agents of shield for their for their run again truly remarkable stuff and hopefully this isn't the complete end for some of these people hopefully whether it be jed weeding creating more or um or marissa creating more or again we do get to see some of these actors um, that would be great. I, I hope we get to see it at some point. But um, let's move on now. Let's talk about Doom Patrol real quick. Um, they, excuse me, they they had their um, end to the season with episode nine of season two, Wax Patrol. Doom Patrol again, once again, continues to stand out as definitely, without question, one of the best superhero shows we have out right now. Um, I think it's, you know, now I think it has been comp with Stargirl, but I think you might still have to say that this right now is still the best DC show on television. And this episode also uh, did not disappoint. And it's funny, Sham, because I feel like the Miranda Jane stuff is really still hard to follow. But I feel like, I don't know why this episode, I just felt like it crystallized for me in a much better, clearer way than anything they've done. And you could argue maybe he's like, well, it was the end of the season, so they had to wrap it up. And maybe that's true, but I just think, I think the fact that they kind of let the Miranda character breathe a lot more in this episode, considering they did the whole flashback where she was the primary. Um, and I think I kind of got a better feel for who they were. And then you kind of got to see how the Miranda character that you saw in, uh, in 1969 is a little different than the character that we've been introduced to as Miranda, even though, you know, Miranda behind the scenes is, is, is terrible in the underground, but like we, like on the surface, even, um, she's a little different than what she was when we saw her in 1969. Um, this was probably my favorite, like Jane Miranda episode we've had. The last one was pretty good too. Uh, dad patrol. Um, and I think maybe it was because we finally started getting answers. Sometimes I think when you get too cute with like mysteries, Sometimes you can kind of get taken out of it. I think that's probably what happened with me. But I think this, these episodes, and this one in particular, I think kind of really crystallized it and made things uh, clear. And I liked the showdown at the end. I liked uh, the concept. 
made sense for Doom Patrol to be something that wacky where it's like, you know, you guys got to face your own imaginary friend to save the world and Dorothy from Candlemaker, given that her whole thing is imaginary friends. And how that manifested for each character, it, it tied into everything, um, every everything those those characters went through in their individual um in their individual uh, uh you know struggles throughout the whole season um you know the way uh you know Rita had to you know had to had to kind of cut out magazine using you know pictures that of people All that right. fed her mom with the eyes and you know uh you know Cliff you know you know it being Jesus and I think that kind of uh I thought that was interesting, considering, you know, he's so, like, abrasive and so, like, whatever. The idea that, like, you know, this whole time has been him trying to, like, find that humanity and, like, what's more human than, like, his, you know, belief in something like that at one point in his life. And I thought Cyborgs, I, I think, was maybe one of my favorite ones, was, like, this whole concept of, like, just reinforcement of... Um, of his own beliefs and that like him needing that really throughout his entire adult life as a superhero. All those things I thought made sense. And I thought that those conversations they had, all the fights that they had with those characters, um, it all worked. And I thought that as a season finale for them to all die essentially or at the very least lose um, was a great way to kind of end it. And we'll see what happened with Dorothy now going up against Candlemaker and putting on those uh, those snow boots. I don't know what that means. It's all very weird, but Doom Patrol is very weird. But I love this episode. I was actually I, I, I was actually tight, Sham, that this was a season finale. I didn't realize it was a season finale until I saw people texting and tweeting about it and post, posting about how this was a season finale. Because last season, Doom Patrol was 13 episodes, and this season it was only 9. And... I don't feel like they wasted that many episodes. Like, last season, they had more fill-ups than this season, for sure. But I almost still feel like, wow, we had a couple of fillers, and, like, you know, they only had nine episodes. It was very entertaining, but I was actually a little surprised that it ended so short. What did you make of uh, Wax Patrol as a season finale? Um, I thought it was a decent season finale. Um, I mean, you know how I felt about Dorothy mm-hmm. throughout the whole season. I feel like when they started fleshing out her character a little bit more, it was a little bit better. But even then, I was never a, the biggest fan of Dorothy. Like even even towards the end in, in this season finale, I was like, okay, so we're getting you know the the Candlemaker and Candlemaker is doing whatever Candlemaker is doing. I still don't really understand it, but um, you know, it, it, this crazy stuff is happening. Her powers are out of control. And we need to, you know, they need to find a way to go and stop her and all that. Um, I mean, I thought I thought it was solid. I mean, the characters are so, the characters are so great that no matter, I, it's almost like no matter what story they put, they are doing, is going to be great. That's true. Uh, but I still was not the biggest fan of of Dorothy and her storyline. Being the being front and center and being kind of the center of this whole season, and of 
And I also, and, and, and it's interesting you brought up the fact that the season was shorter. It didn't really feel like a season finale to me. Even even less so than last season. Which, I mean, last season, it, it came to some kind of conclusion, even though it still left on, it, was, it still was on a cliffhanger. This one, I feel like, is almost even, I mean, last season was on a pretty big cliffhanger, but this one was also on a on a gigantic cliffhanger. I mean, to the point where I'm like, this is, it's over? <laughs> you know, the point where I'm like, what? So, I mean, I don't know. To the point where I'm, I'm, I'm almost like, did they... Part, well, part of it, part of it is so. Part of now, this was supposed to be a ten episode season, okay. but COVID um, made it nine. Okay, that makes I, sense. it was unclear to me though if it was like this is how the season was going to end and they skipped an episode or shortened some things, or if this was them just stopping at episode nine. I was unclear about that. It seems to me when I was watching it like this isn't how it was supposed to end. Or I wouldn't think so. The show's so odd that you can't really tell. But that was my guess initially. Was oh wow, so the season was just cut short um, because this didn't really feel like an ending. I feel like even last season did feel like an ending because there was some kind of some kind of resolution with the bad guy. That I was like okay, so it ended, but it ended on a weird note. So we'll see what happens next season. It's to, to be continued. This seemed like it was. It, it completely was not resolved. <laughs> yeah, everyone is still yeah. very much in big trouble, and wait till next season. It's like wow, you know that's so. I guess I, I think know. to me we've had this conversation. We had this conversation yeah. during the um, during the Flash and CW shows that had their whole situation. I mm-hmm. I I don't mind as much a season ending with like chaos and terrible things and not wrapping loose ends you know like i like it kind of reminds me you know we obviously had our throne tales podcast you know our recap of game of thrones on this network and um it kind of reminds me of the, the john snow when he was like on in you know well spoilers i guess if you haven't watched that show but the situation with john snow at one of the ends of the season and mm-hmm. a lot of people were kind of feeling really anxious about why they ended it that way because we didn't know where the character was going to go and what his situation was going to be moving forward and I never like I. I mean, I had an anxious feeling about the season as well, and as well, but I also didn't feel like, oh, like this is I got gypped. It's just like, oh wow, what's gonna happen? Like I kind of like that aspect of it. I think it's a. I don't mind the, and I didn't mind it with. Um, I forgot which show did it. I want to say it was the Flash. I thought that they had an, one of these shows had an episode. I thought like this is. A, I think this is a fine season ending. It's not obviously perfect, but this like went a long way towards starting next season with an immediate conflict which i kind of like like i i think to me and i'll see we'll see what they do with this apparently the guy said that they were three days away from finishing when they told them that production was shut down because of covid i guess to me like we saw with titans like that was a bad idea how starting with a conflict that they knew they wanted to wrap in like 15 minutes was a disaster but i think in the right aspect in the right if you do it right, I think it could work. Like, to me, again, in Flash, I think it's going to work because, you know, it's it's not like, you know, the whole thing with Eva is going to be one episode. They have four or five episodes to flush out the initial conflict because sometimes these seasons start off as boontails, which I know is an inside joke. Nobody knows what I'm talking about, but you know what I mean, Shane, where it's like, it's nothing, where it's just like three or four episodes of us trying to just get towards something and then finally now you get a conflict and now things start to get revved up. But, like, I kind of like to be, like, dropped right into the story of conflict. So the idea that 
Doom Patrol may start off that way in season three, I'm actually okay with completely. The question becomes, how do you avoid the trip up that Titans had? Because Titans, that, that did not work what they did. But they also, I think, had a worse season finale than Doom Patrol did. So it's it's kind of crazy. It's also funny that, like, Titans meant to do what they did. <laughs> oh, it came across terrible. Like, Doom Patrol is doing this, but it's, like, not their fault. Like, I find that funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, I, I mean, I definitely see what you mean with regards to Titans kind of completely flopping in the way that they did. I don't really know what Doom Patrol and Doom Patrol so unpredictable as well. I don't really know what their plan is for next season. So if this is something that's going to go deep into next season or if it's something that's going to be resolved very quickly next season. I mean, if I'm being honest, I kind of hope this gets resolved quickly next season because I don't want this problem to linger on. Yeah, this, I, is, it, this is something that, yeah. It, yeah. And this is, unlike Titans, I don't want to make this a Titans ref- referendum, but... Like, Titans had the whole Trigon thing, which in theory you would think this is not something that should be wrapped in 15 minutes. This is something that you're going to have to... Even It may take a full episode, but like it's going to take time to figure out. The Candlemaker thing, I think, is a lot different. I think you can wrap that in an episode and move on. Right. You know? Um, while still having the benefit of the height of the of the stakes being super high in your season premiere. So I think I think there's a there's a blessing in that for sure. Yeah. Um so overall, I mean I enjoyed the episode very much. But at the same time I was disappointed by several things in it as well. And kind of disappointed in the fact that this was the end of the season and that you know, we, we're not getting any more in that we're going to be continuing this next season. So it's it's a trade-off. It was a good episode. There were a lot of very good elements, a lot of them you pointed out. I like the character moments. I like the character moments throughout the entire season. I thought they were all very touch. A lot of them were very touching. Some were very sad. Some were very hopeful. I liked a lot of Cliff's storyline, especially. I thought his was very fun. Your uh, heart breaks that he, he's not going to his daughter's wedding. Yeah. Like I, I said but, a couple of episodes ago, I was like, you know, we said, I told you guys, I was like, you know, we're going to find out like some, something's going to happen where he ain't going to make it or he's going to make a fool of himself or whatever. And um, it happened. It, it, you know, next episode, we realized this was not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So I was sad. And a lot of the Larry Trainer stuff, they're starting, to, they're starting to really pile on him with a lot of the just the negativity. So I'm hoping yeah, at, get, certain, a, at a certain point, I would hope that they do decide to they gotta they gotta get him out of uh, of where he is with the whole yeah. um, just his family, ban- you know, you know, bashing him over the head yeah. with his like grief. It's it's it is becoming a lot. Yeah. So hopefully they give him a break next season. And the Jane stuff was, um, I thought her stuff was very good this season as well. Diana um, Guerrero, not, I thought this episode was just sublime. I mean, I thought she this was mm-hmm. maybe her best performance in a, in a in a while, and that's not saying that she doesn't she isn't great every week. But I just thought, I mean, the scenes with the whole swinger party, her acting in that, her transitions during the sex scene to the different um, characters, and what I liked about that scene and how like they did they. I think for for effect, usually they do some kind of like sound and visual effect to show when she's changing to like, I think to make it clear to like the viewer. 
And I kind of like in that scene where you see she doesn't, they didn't do that for that scene. She just, in the middle of the scene, is just changing and changing and changing to find someone who could be in the situation and make and not be completely destroyed by it. Um, and then her turning into Jane and her being the one to be able to get out of there and the monologue she goes on. It was just epic. It was great, great stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought she did a good job. Um, I wasn't as big of a fan of her stuff this season as I was last season. I agree with that. But I still thought she had a very strong season. I thought Rita had a very strong season as well. I feel like she's had a lot of growth in terms of her character development this season as opposed to last season. And I don't know. Niles is uh, some of the stuff with Niles is getting is getting a little. I think it's. I don't even think it's really Niles. I think it's Dorothy. I, I and I hate to the keep piling on Dorothy, but her storyline this season is just not doing anything for me, and it's affecting Niles too. So now Niles, all Niles cares about is Dorothy, and I'm like, all right. I mean, you know, she's going off. She's flying into space. And she's talking to Candlemaker when she knows she shouldn't be. And, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm kind of just like, okay, where's this going? You know, let's, you know. So, I don't know. I mean, Niles, this wasn't really his season um, for me. Some of the stuff he, he was doing was touching, and some of it was kind of like, okay, I mean. So, I don't know. I wasn't really feeling Niles too much uh, this season. Um, but I have a feeling once this Dorothy storyline wraps up, even if she's a permanently a part of the team, which I think is fine. I know she's part of the Doom Patrol. So, uh, but just this thing with her constant conflict with the Candlemaker. Kind of definitely looking forward to that wrapping up so we can get back to some other random problem. Because I kind of like, I, I never thought I'd say this, but I kind of enjoyed the one-offs, the random one-offs in the season mm. more than I did the ones, the episodes that were centered around the Dorothy conflict. Uh, Dorothy, <clears throat> Dorothy storyline. Right. So I'm hoping next season that that changes and, and I'm more invested in everything going on throughout the season. Well, I, I, I always feel like, for in some instances, I feel like in a lot of instances, whenever like your, your central story is based on like a threat that we don't really see that much, it's always a little tricky to make that, um, me care yeah. about that, you know? So the whole thing about like if you make another wish... Like, this is going to be it. And it's just kind of like, all right, well, nothing matters until you make that wish. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or nothing happens until I do see what the destruction is. And they have shown us what Candlemaker is capable of. And it is, he it is pretty devastating. But I, I just think that that being your whole thing of like, well, when this happens is when things will really pop off. It's like, well, if that's the end of your season, well, that's a lot of episodes where we're kind of going through exposition and things that don't really matter as much. Um, I have no... I, I, I cannot, for, for the life of me, understand what the deal is with her mom. And I, I forgot what happened to her mom after last season. Because now she's just showing up whenever she wants now. And I'm like, I thought she was dead. I didn't know what... But she can't be. Or at least she doesn't... At least if she is dead, she's able to come back into the physical world and still making it make it still be you know present because she kind of just shows up out of nowhere in this episode um and she showed up in the last episode as well and you know something with these boots that you know mean that she's you know becoming a woman and she has to take on this fear but i, I just think that 
I think with Dorothy, I think we needed a little more of like clear exposition about who it is she can become if she becomes an adult and what is the damage that can be caused if she makes another wish and lets Karen make her loose. I, I think like if you got that, I think Sharon, you would like you would have enjoyed Dorothy a little more. Um I thought uh you know um Dalton's acting, I think the, the young young woman that plays uh, mm-hmm. Dorothy, their acting is so good that I think that while I see the flaws, I think I enjoyed, I enjoyed, I was lost in the story in a sense, if that makes sense, that I was fine, like it didn't, it wasn't one of the strongest points of the season, but it didn't bother me as much as you. I think that, you know, if they would have gave them a little more and not had just had so much of it as Dalton just acting like, please don't do this or whatever, like it could have been more yeah. stories, more flashbacks maybe to times where we did see Dorothy lose control. That I think would have been a little better. Like you know, to me, like the biggest moment we had from Dorothy was that showdown with Baby Doll, and like that was probably her. I think her best moment all season. And, I think so too. But that was a moment where we actually saw like what she was capable of, and I don't think that's an accident. I think that's not a coincidence at all. That's where we saw that, and that's where we got excited about her character. The most we would have got excited about her character all season, and um, I think they probably missed the boat a little bit with that. I think. They kind of wanted to hold mystery, but again, a mystery, I think it's kind of overrated in some instances. You know, and I think that this is probably one of them. We get it. She's very dangerous. If she if she lets she's she lets loose, the world's going to be in danger. You don't got to tell me that for nine episodes, you know. Um, so that would be my only critique with her. But um, I I enjoyed this episode. I'm, it sucks that it's only nine episodes for this season. Um I think this has been a, a, another really great season of Doom Patrol. I don't. It's hard to compare the season with last because I, did, you know, the fact that season episode nine was, you know, not necessarily supposed to be the season finale. Most likely, it's, it's kind of unfair in some instances. But this still, again, like I said at the top, this still remains to me probably the best DC show and um, and a must watch to me if you love superheroes and you you just love. This is like to me like it goes even beyond superheroes. I think you just love a funny good drama. This is absolutely a show that you should watch. Um, let's do the last episode, real, uh, last show, real quick. Let's do Stargirl. These are episodes, uh, episode, this is episode uh, Stars and Stripe Part Two, Season One, Episode Thirteen. So we had two part episode. We did the, um, we did the Stars and Stripe episode a couple weeks ago. The first one. Now we had Part Two. We get kind of more into their plan. I really enjoyed how this episode kicked off with like them. Like, we saw, like, the impact of, like, what their machine was doing to Pat and to um, to the mom and to Shining Knight. But to see, like, like the machine in action in that way, like, having it come up, up in the school football uh, yard and things like that. Like, I thought that that was a really neat way to kind of... Um, you know, kind of raise the stakes a little bit of what was happening and kind of give a great context to how this was being done. So I thought that one thing that stood out to me is that this was, a, I thought, a great open to this episode. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I thought that was that was very impressive. And um, impressive CGI. It looked pretty good, too. Yeah, it looked great, too. Yeah, so I, th- I thought that did add a lot of weight to what was going on. I mean, you knew it was important just based on what was happening with every, everyone being frozen, uh, but it just added that extra kind of super villainy 
aspect yeah. to it. So I, I did think that was really cool. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah, I thought that that was really cool. And this was, uh, I, I thought, also a really solid end to the season. Um, I think it created some... Like, we talked about how I felt like this... The one problem I had with the new JSA, quote-unquote, was I didn't feel like they really had any bumps that made them kind of lick their own wounds in any regard for all the whole season. That for Injustice Society to be this, like, unstoppable killing machine, these kids were having too much success. And you could argue they still did. But I do think that sometimes creating conflict and creating, you know, wounds to lick, so to speak, doesn't always have to be be you, like, being punched in the face and having a broken nose. I think they really did kind of... Um, these. I think a lot of the Justice Jason characters besides uh, besides um, Stargirl all kind of have something to really think about moving forward in the season two, which is, I think, intriguing, you know? Um, you know, Dr. Midnight, the goggles are broken. You know, Wildcat killed someone. Like... That was, I thought, was a pretty shocking moment. I didn't uh, expect that. Part of me was kind of like, you know, I. I what do you think of that brainwave death? By the way, I, I, before I even say anything, what do you make of? What do you think of like that being the way he was killed? I thought it was fantastic. You thought it was great. I thought it was fantastic. I thought I didn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the show had it in it for that kind of violence. I didn't know Wildcat had it in her for that kind of violence. And I didn't even see the twist coming. Mm-hmm. That that was Brainwave. Mm-hmm. I probably should have. But I didn't I didn't see it coming. And they got me. And when they got me, and she noticed, and I noticed, and I was like, ooh. I think I even might have said that. I think I said that out loud. I was like, ooh. That's, I was like, oh, my. I was like, that, that is evil and she just took him out i thought it was fantastic yeah yeah i mean it's i i i'll be honest i was a little torn not i was not torn at the decision making or that they killed off brainwave let me make that clear i thought that was a really bold move and i'm very i think it's, it could be a really good story thread to start next season with with like you know um all of these kids were given were given these powers, literally. They didn't earn any of this. And they were all given these powers because Courtney just decided she thought you were worthy. And, you know, while it does seem like she's kind of willing to forgive, maybe a little too easily for what uh for what Wildcat did, I think that is something that, that's gonna be interesting to kinda of talk about next season. Is like, okay, oh, yeah. like like, you know, we gave you these powers and, and you just killed a man just i mean and like the guy's was gonna kill millions of people he's a terrible person but like you didn't also just kill him in a way that like oh i could have saved him it was just like you made a death to sit like i'm going to take this man's life it wasn't like oh like i'm not gonna save you and i know you're gonna die because of it it was no i'm going to take your life that's i do think that that's a dynamic that i think would be interesting i think though you know i go back to that thing about you know the justice in the injustice society and are they were they nerfed too much and that's the only thing i think about with that scene is it, what do i think of um you know the fact that brainwave thought that that was a good idea to 
know where the rest of her, her friends were. Like, I, I think that part of me, I think that's where I think I was torn in terms of like the actual making it make sense from a story standpoint. Because what he's a telepath. Why wouldn't you just read her mind as soon as she enters the room? Like, why would you need her to verbalize what was going on? I mean, I, unless I'm missing something, that was the, I couldn't get over that. And I was just like, this seemed like a really risky thing to do. Like, it seemed like it was a good idea if, like, you weren't a telepath. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, if, you, if he wasn't a telepath, right. I'd be like, oh, this is brilliant. And then, like, oh, he got got. But, like, the fact that she was able to pick up on her saying, where are your friends, like, was, I thought, good. But part of me is like, yeah, but he's a telepath. Why would he have to do this? Why wouldn't he just read her mind? And, you know, then the aspect could be, okay, well, maybe he could have been using this to try to sneak attack her and kill her, which that's true. That's a, that would have been a great move, too. But then the whole dialogue, you wouldn't have needed. He, would, all he, had to, he wouldn't have had to ask where my friends are. He could have just been like, I'm just chilling, whatever. And like, yeah, we're here, whatever. And then just like, as soon as you turn around, just like, you know, you know mentally zap her and then it's over so that that was the only aspect to me i'm just like this is a guy who's like a mastermind villain you've built him up in a major way in a smart way and at first i was a little upset when i saw that henry was there i was like oh man don't tell me that like this kid's a lot that's so stupid like what so i was happy that no that kid did die and that um that this guy did kill his own kid and that was really 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 cut cold-blooded and cutthroat but I, I was a little torn, I'll be honest, by, like, that being how he died. Because it just seemed, it seemed kind of dumb. It seemed unnecessary. Mm. I hear you. I mean, I mean, I, I definitely understand what you're saying. I Even so, I do absolutely understand what you're saying. I still thought it was a great scene. It was a great you know? scene, though. I agree with that. I, and yeah, I, 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 I will take away the logic from the logic I'm presenting, I totally agree. It was a, it was one of the best scenes of the episode for sure. Yeah. I, it completely came out of left fields and I completely understood where she was coming from. And it, it further highlighted just how depraved he was to go into someone else's mind, pretend to be his son that he killed. Yeah. In order to find other kids and kill them. Yeah, and it's just this man is is gone. You know he and and at that moment she knew she's like no one is gonna miss him. He needs to go after everything that he did to her and to Henry and to everybody. She she just knew this guy needs to go, and it was just it was just wonderful. It was just a wonderful scene. I'm gonna miss Brainwave. I thought the actor did a fantastic job. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, I agree. I thought that Brainwave was. Um, shout out to Christopher James Baker. I think that he was yeah. definitely one of the best actors on this season, all season, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I didn't think that was that was a fantastic scene. Um, and we talked about you know Icicle, you know breaking the goggles. So now Beth, you know, goes into the next season without the goggles, and um, I I was sad for Beth, like because I I thought Angela Washington, who plays Beth, did a great job of like. Really selling, you know, if you're using a wrestling term, like selling this death of a machine. But, you know, I almost think that only works from like how the actor plays that plays those scenes. I think, or or how they're written too. 
Like, if someone, they would have made it not as big a deal, but they tried to make it as if it was a big deal. Um, or at least wrote it as if it was a big deal, but the actors didn't portray that. Or if the uh, if it was supposed to be a big deal, or rather, if it wasn't supposed to be a big deal and the actress just was following orders, like, it wouldn't have been the same. But, like, I thought, they, I felt true sadness when, you know, the goggles broke and how they had, you know, the voice of the goggles, you know, uh, Henry, you, you know, actually agonizing in pain and then exploding the way he did it. It kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, Vision's death in in um in Endgame. Like, you know, it doesn't, you know, now Vision was a humanoid, but like, you know, it didn't feel like it was just like a, a machine being broken. It did feel like a person was being ripped apart. And uh, and I thought um I thought the, the actress that plays Beth did a great job of selling that. And then obviously um you know Rick has this situation where you know he had this moment to like destroy this monster that killed his family. And again, this show has been excellent. Like great job with uh, Solomon Grundy too. Like what a great way to kind of show that side of of Grundy because this season the whole season was just building messages like killing machine and just big monster which in the one sense he is but Solomon Grundy is also kind of like a child like he kind of like isn't just this like mindless well he is kind of mindless but like he isn't he isn't um doomsday if that right. makes sense you know like he does have feelings he doesn't necessarily always just want to kill people like he isn't just like like he is like a re- he is a person and like when he's you know being you know beat up the way he was and he's just like i don't want to fight no more even though he's this big monster like what do you mean you don't want to fight no more he's solomon grundy but like yeah he's solomon grundy like solomon grundy also has feelings he's kind of emotional like that's been his whole thing that's why like batman and other heroes have been able to sometimes appeal to that because they know he is a he does have a heart you know and yes he rages out of control and he could be a devastating force there is that side of him that comes out, and I thought that was a, a beautiful way to bring it out in that moment, and then have Rick have that dilemma of like, what am I going to do with this? Because this is not a man who is who wants to fight me to the death, or cares, or even maybe even remembers why I hate him so much. Like, it, what am I going to gain out of doing this? And I thought Sham, it, it was a good um, kind of like juxtaposition to like Yolanda's decision, because here. Mm-hmm. Like, you would have totally thought if anybody was going to kill somebody who, like, wronged them, it was going to be Rick. But here you had Rick making the decision, I know what, I'm better than that, and this is not going to give me anything. And just let this guy go. Even though it's dangerous to let Solomon Grundy just walk. Like, like you know, we talked about Brainwave being out there as dangerous. This guy is dangerous, too. Um, and him yeah. having the ability to himself to, to have that restraint and Yolanda not being able to, as if that was good all good storytelling. This was a, this was a great episode. Jeff Johns wrote this. He killed this. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I this was a very good episode. Um, I mean, I I very much enjoyed that scene as well. Uh, so I agree with everything you just said. I thought that juxtaposition was very good, with in terms of the kids' decisions and whether to kill or not to kill. Um, uh, I have to give a shout out to Kendall, and I'm going to to say something, mention something that Kendall told me, which I was like, yeah, I agree. And it's a negative. But he's talking to me, he's like, boy, talk about PS2 Grundy. Talk about Xbox 360 
Solomon <laughs> Solomon Grundy. And look, yeah, he didn't. You know, he did. And you know, I would make the comparison to Doomsday and Krypton. Where man, Doomsday and Krypton, I'd be like, wow, this is TV. And Doom, they made Doomsday look like that. Doomsday looked fantastic yeah. in Krypton. And Grundy, he, you could tell, man, they, they, they didn't have the full budget for Grundy. He definitely looked like something that was put in the screen <laughs> for, for you guys to see. But um, even so, I still very much enjoyed the Grundy scene. I did too. I prefer. I prefer. I would have preferred that than them not doing Grundy. You know what I'm saying? Oh like, yeah, absolutely. Like that's where like some of these. That's where like these things with budgets kick in with television shows. Like you gotta make a decision. Like based on the story you're gonna write and how it's gonna look, is it worth it? Like what Supergirl did with Red Tornado, not worth it. No, you not need, <laughs> I not need to see that terrible looking Red Tornado with what they were doing. <laughs> With what Stargirl was doing, the motion behind the story they were telling with Rick, a story that I think was probably the, the worst story of all season, and then you had an unbelievable payoff to it. Like, that was worth it. I'll, okay, I'll take a Solomon Grant doesn't look the greatest if I got this payoff. And I did. So, like, for all TV shows, I think you got to make that decision when it comes to budgeting, where it's like... I would say push it if you really got an emotional story, but don't give me a fan service moment for the sake of fan service if you know you don't have the budget to pull it off. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I thought that... Um, I mean, I thought Grundy looked... I thought he looked good enough. I did too. And I think he just barely made it. But I thought he was fine. Yeah, I think he just barely made it. I thought he looked good enough. And I thought the fight was good. I thought it was well choreographed fight. I thought all the fights were very good in the episode. Um, so I thought I thought that was I thought it was very much worth it to see Grundy fight. And I also liked, um, I also enjoyed uh, how they ended up taking out Icicle. Also, I thought it was very. Oh, uh, Mike! Did you like that? Yeah, well, Mike. I did. You did. I have to say, I. I did like it very much because especially with Mike wanting to be involved the whole season <laughs> and knowing that this guy Icicle, you just know he had to go. You're like, Icicle's got to go. They got to do something about him. You know, especially after everything he was saying on the roof, I'm like, this guy, they got to do something about him. He's got to go. And we already got Icicle Jr., so you know we're getting Icicle Jr. soon. And so I'm like, they got to do something about Icicle. And Mike shows up in the car. <laughs> He's like, "Am I in the JSA?" Oh, that was that was a that was a perfect ending. That was <laughs> so yeah. I, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was, I thought it was very fun. Yeah, Neil Jackson. Um, I, I I thought he had his best moments uh, of this season on that rooftop. Um, mm-hmm. playing icicle, and I think you know whenever the the whenever the plan slips out of the fingertips of the villain and it gets really go off. Like usually, those are always the best moments for the villain in any TV show or movie. So, like in some instances, like you know, that scene kind of writes itself. But he's still delivered. Like, you know, really kind of for a character who was so. Yes, he has this maniacal plan, but he was always very well put together. Way more put together. Way more, it seemed focused than any of his lunatic people he was with. So, but so I so I always feel like it is always a payoff to when you get those moments when they're unwound and things have kind of fallen apart 
at the end of the day, he's just the same lunatic that these other people are. Uh, he just maybe can like maintain it a little more, um, which is why he's right. a leader. Like I, 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 I enjoy those scenes. So uh, when he's on the roof talking about, you know, he wants to run away with uh, with uh, with uh, you know, Courtney's mom, and uh, him kind of going back and forth of like, all right, well, you're not gonna do it. I'm gonna kill you or whatever, and him, you know, going at it with Pat, and then. Uh, and you know Courtney coming into it. It was it was a it was it was just a good it was a good end to that character. I kind of don't know if I wanted him to die though. I kind of I think that that's where we were, where we differ. Um, I think him being a criminal mastermind moving forward for future seasons could have absolutely still been. He absolutely could have still worked. Uh, I guess they're gonna use the gambler more for that role i think i think he's gonna still be a player in this obviously we know cindy's gonna be a player because she's the person who let out eclipso at the end um but i, I think that he would have i think he still could have had served some purpose as this guy who had who's this big enterprise in the city you know he's he was kind of like uh you know like a, a really poor man's norman osborne so like you know he could have they could have still used him effectively i thought uh so Mikey killing. I, I was fine with it. Mikey coming in like that because you know it was a little jokey for me, but that's you know typical in some instances. So so that was that was fine, but it was um it it, it was a really good ending for him before that. I thought even before that, you know his fight last fight scene with Courtney and Stripe, and um yeah, I I, I just really enjoyed uh I enjoyed this whole season, man. I thought that this was. It wasn't that surprising to me as maybe it would have been to I think someone like Kendall who I think you know was skeptical all season about whether or not this was gonna really be a great show, but it is. I mean, season one Stargirl, man, what a what a great great addition to like the superhero content that we have on television. And a lot of people I think sold this show short, but just sometimes Shamari, like for me, like you hear the vibes from a from the media close to these projects from the company making the projects and you hear the energy behind it i kind of just knew this was gonna work like i kept every time like everything about star girl you would have doubts about it but then whenever somebody close to the project would talk about it or somebody who worked on the project talk about it somebody who has seen early things from the project talked about it everybody was like yo man star girl they're really doing their thing over there y'all should pay attention I heard enough of that to make me say, yeah, this is going to be it. This is going to be it. And I'm glad it was. Um, just an overall really great season. I, I'm really excited for season two. Oh, yeah. I'm super excited for season two. Season one was fantastic. I thought everyone in the cast did a wonderful job. And this show has a kind of heart that's very much missing from a lot of the superhero shows. It has a heart and an innocence to it. But where they sometimes yes. push the boundaries as well. That when, which is I think is very important as well. So I think I don't know. I think this this show just has those elements that n- no other uh, superhero show, especially, has right now. So yeah, I'm very much looking forward to to the next season. I am too, man. I think that uh, I think that you know, obviously, we'll probably talk about it tomorrow about you know DC Universe really pretty much being done. Um, we know that obviously this show is being moved off of DC Universe and to CW. 
uh, I hope that doesn't make any changes to like whatever their creative progress was or process was because <laughs> it was perfect. You know, like I, I don't want anything to change yep. about anything they did. You know, we've seen, you know, how some shows shows have changed from when they go networks. Like, you know, Supergirl, CW, CBS Supergirl is a different than CW Supergirl. In some ways, you can make argue, argue even for the better, but, um, but this is not a show I want to see get the CW, you know, touch. Like this show didn't feel like CW at all. Nothing about it. And even though there are aspects that may feel familiar, just the presentation, just the acting, just like the characters, it, it was different than what you would normally see from CW. Yes, there are kids and there are high school themes. But it still wasn't this. It didn't have a CW feel. I'm. I'm the only concern I would have is I'm hoping that a move to CW doesn't mean that now it becomes more of what we're used to seeing from CW. And it's CW is a you know billion dollar you know franchise for Warner Brothers, and uh, we love CW because we cover all their shows. So you know it's not a diss to them, but this is something. This was something. This was like you said, such a breath of fresh air that. I just hope it doesn't become just another Arrowverse type show. I hope they keep the same feel to it. And if Jeff Johns is going to stay attached to the project, I I, I don't have too many. I, I, it gives me some relief that I think that it will stay close to the heart, considering he created the character. He's been it's a character he cares so much about. I don't think that he would let it just become you know a cut and paste CW show. But right. That's at the same time. Again, we've seen a lot of shows make the move to CW and look a lot different. So it's a uh, it could go either way. But um, Ken, uh, Shamar, I think that's going to be a good place to wrap this show. So thank you guys so much. I didn't think this show would be as long. I thought this would be a shorter show, but uh, we had three big episodes. We had three season finales, including a series finale. So we had to make sure we got to everything, and we certainly didn't get to every single thing, but we got to as much as we could. On this podcast, a uh, rare two-episode podcast here. So this will be uh, one episode this week, but we're, we're, we're planning to tape again tomorrow. So uh, if you're listening to this, be ready to, 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 to listen to another episode of New Generation Hero Talk. You can catch all of our shows on New Generation Podcast Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, be sure check us out on YouTube, New Generation Media. If you're a basketball fan, we have a new video up there um, talking about the NBA Draft Lottery, which is this upcoming Tuesday, or Thursday, I'm sorry. So, um, brand new video. We just put it out. So, if you are if you love that stuff, take a look at that. Again, New Generation Media. Also, we did a video um, previewing DC Fandom, which is coming up this weekend. I would keep an eye out on our YouTube channel this weekend. This is, of course, Saturday when Fandom comes out. We've already had extensive talks of providing some kind of content on the YouTube channel. I cannot guarantee you what it will be right now because I don't. We don't. We don't know. <laughs> but it's going to be something. So I would say keep your eyes peeled onto the YouTube channel, New Generation Media, for some kind of content coming out of DC fandom. And check out the podcast network too because maybe it'll be audio. I, I but we definitely want to do something on video. So. Keep an eye out for that. Once again, New Generation Media is where you'll find that content. Follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcast. 
and Facebook New Generation Media. I'm on social media at EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter. Actually, EJ on Instagram. Thank you guys so much for listening in. For Shamari, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace. <laughs>